0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Mindful Venturing. I'm your host, Prashant Feng and today I'm going to follow up on the previous episode on resilience. Lots of great feedback from the previous episode on resilience, so thank you very much for that, and uh, you can contact the show anytime at podcast at podcast.mindfulventuring.com or just click on the link in the show notes below. On today's episode, I'm going to address a couple of the main questions or concerns that I kept hearing over the last few weeks. The first concerns this idea of um, you can't be resilient by just being on the go all the time and gritting it through and fighting through. If you listen to the previous episode, you'll know that I spent a fair chunk of time on that, and that included, by the way, acknowledging that there are times where we just have to do that, right? Whether it be in our personal or professional lives, we just don't have a choice. I felt like one of the drivers for the pushback on on this was. People are just so used to, you know, coping or getting through the difficult times the way they have
1: been in the past. And I think they've also become used to just how ineffective it can be and learn to accept the downside of it. And so
0: today I'm going to try and convince you that the other way, whatever the other way might be, be it mindfulness or Anything else people are suggesting to you is actually going to be better for your health in the short and the long term. Because the fact is, I don't know anyone who says, well, I just kept pushing myself and pushing myself and getting more depleted and getting more run down, and I had, you know, plenty of energy by the end of the day, or I could keep this going for weeks and weeks on end. You just can't. And in an entrepreneurial environment or an innovative or creative environment, there is always that pressure which is sometimes forcing you or is expected of you to keep going. And the purpose of this podcast but also these episodes in particular is to show you that with the introduction or with, with mindfulness integrated into all of your life, that actually you will be able to do more, you will, be ha- you will have more energy by the end of the day. And what I want to get into a bit in this episode is overall, it will be beneficial to your health. The last point, the point on health, I'm going to reinforce by interviewing some doctors and psychologists in upcoming episodes. So I'll only touch on some of the basics now, uh, partly because I'm not an expert, but partly because I think if I do try and explain it and, and try and unpack it, particularly in an audio format, it can get a bit too much like a university lecture, and I don't want to do that. But equally, I want to at least try and give you some takeaways about why this is important, what the research shows, just how effective mindfulness can be in building your resilience and making you stronger and more effective. And in the second part of the episode, I will then uh, talk a little bit about the how. So in the middle of those really difficult times when you're having trouble disengaging, it's something which even now I struggle with the times, um, except for me now, the impulse to disengage and the impulse to do something else um, is automatic, which is great. On some occasions, it's still then challenging to then act on that impulse, but I'll explain that in more detail later. But the point is I'll also then get onto more practical aspects of how you can uh, disconnect and disengage um, when you're having trouble Just not letting go of that sensation of, I just have to do more, I just have to do more. I'm on this treadmill and I just have to keep going, otherwise I'll fall off. Alright, so let's start to talk about what is actually happening to our bodies in those moments of stress and anxiety and when we're under pressure. What sort of bad habits we can get into and what those bad habits or impulses how they actually translate
1: into physiological changes which actually make the situation worse. Like I said, I'm not an expert,
0: but I do understand this you know, at an above average level and I'm hoping that I can translate some of these basics, lay some foundations so that when we do speak to a doctor or a psychologist on the podcast, that they won't have to start um, you know, from the beginning But also, in addition to helping each other, I think when I read some of these fundamentals of the connection between mindfulness and health, it's something that's really important to be able to communicate to others. It's one of the reasons why I kept reading and researching this topic, not just for this podcast, but I realized that actually, I do want to go a bit deeper when I explain this to people. And the science is actually not that scary to explain. And particularly, as you'll find out, when I'm actually leaning on other scientists and researchers who've explained it um, much better than I could. So I'll read out some snippets, share my experiences. And then, obviously, as always, the links will be in the episode notes. So lots of research has been done, obviously, on the effects of the positive effects of mindfulness on our health, and particularly on our brain activity. And I thought I would touch on a couple of paragraphs on that before i move on to um what happens in that stressed or anxious state because then you can sort of see the the good and the bad the before and the after if you like and hopefully that all sort of ties together so i reckon you know today if you were to google mindfulness benefits brain research or something like that it would come up with millions of hits which is good to see because it means that a lot of work has been done to show those actual benefits and research continues and you know, providers like Headspace have actually started to aggregate and do some of their own research, which I'll link to in the uh, in the episode notes. But what I was really searching for is something which simplifies it. So this article from the Scientific American talks about how MRI scans show that after an eight week course of mindfulness practice, the brain's fight or flight center, the amygdala, appears to shrink. This primal region of the brain, associated with fear and emotion, is involved in the initiation. Of the body's response to stress. As the amygdala shrinks, the prefrontal cortex, which is associated with higher order brain functions such as awareness, concentration and decision making, becomes thicker. The co- connectivity between these regions, that is how often they are activated together, also changes. The connection between the amygdala and the rest of the brain gets weaker while the connections between areas associated with attention and concentration get stronger. So what happens with people who meditate is
1: that our more primal responses to stress, which are the more unhelpful ones,
0: over time become superseded by more thoughtful responses, which is what we want. Put another way in another article that I've linked to, It says, our brain's prefrontal cortex is the executive area that controls our attention. When the amygdala, the trigger point for disturbing emotions, like anger or anxiety, acts up, it signals the prefrontal areas to shut down. That's why when we are anxious or angry, we can't think so well. If we can calm our amygdala,
1: that allows the prefrontal areas to operate more effectively and thus to better focus our attention. And so the only way to achieve these results is by
0: putting the work in to rewire your brain so that the responses
1: that you do initiate in the heat of the moment are the more helpful ones. But you can't do it by talking to your amygdala and saying, calm down, that doesn't work. And if you need further motivation, let me share my experience and um, how I have
0: evolved over the last five or ten years in terms of dealing with challenging situations. The first part of it is what I've just discussed, which is I can very much feel that my initial responses aren't negative um, or aren't very strongly negative anyway, and I can usually take a step back,
1: and be aware and observe what's going on almost as though it's happening from a distance. And that really enables me to do a few things. First, that detachment puts a bit of time and space between the stimulus and the response. And then I use that time to make a better decision about what to do next. And as I've said in the past, sometimes that next step is as simple as do nothing. Do nothing for a few minutes. Sit still. So I've really benefited from effectively rewiring those parts of
0: my brain. And by all means, you know, I'm not a finished product,
1: but I'm more than happy to keep this work in progress going because I can see the positive results. And it's really helped me deal with
0: those difficult situations to the point where uh, I don't know how to describe this, but it's almost as though I can predict my awareness. I think sometimes people call it awareness of awareness, or, or I, I can sort of see when things are going a bit pear shaped in whatever sense, you know, sometimes small, sometimes big.
1: And it's almost as though the initial mindful response is sort of knocking on the door saying, let me in, I'm ready now. And that's automatic.
0: And so sometimes I almost have to say, okay, yeah, that's fine. It's not quite time to take a step back from things. But it's so nice just having that awareness.
1: But the second part of it, which I think is, more beneficial or has been more beneficial to me is I am not as afraid of failure as I was before I started my mindfulness practices. And since I've chosen
0: to work in more entrepreneurial, innovative and risky, let's say, environments which are full of uncertainty, this has been really helpful because whether it be in a one-on-one discussion or whether it be in a meeting or whether it be me sitting down, working on a task by myself or with others.
1: There's a freedom with which I can approach all of that work, which actually takes away all the distractions of the what if things go wrong. Or Yeah, I think the best way I can, rather than try and
0: expand on it, I think the best way I can put it is I'm really not as afraid of failure as I
1: as I used to be, which is a great outcome. And following on from that, when a bad result hits, I bounce back a lot quicker. And the whole point of this first part of the podcast was
0: to try and lay out a case to say, well, if, if the way you've been dealing with adversity in your entrepreneurial life to date has been to just grit, grit through it and toughen it out. Ask yourself if you have arrived at the sort of outcomes and the sort of resilience that I've been able to build through a mindfulness practice. And if you haven't, then put more work into the mindfulness practice or as I've always said, if it's not mindfulness, find something else. Find some other method which works for you.
1: But please don't do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. And please, um, hopefully, my sort of mini deep dive into the health aspects of this has convinced you that there are very real physiological
0: changes that are going on when we are faced with those difficult circumstances and mindfulness has been proven
1: to rewire our brain and alter our fundamental instinctive reactive responses in a way that prompts us into better more
0: thoughtful action and that ultimately leads to better outcomes as i said at the outset there's a lot more evidence and a lot more articles that i could go through but i think i'll leave it there and link to the others in the episode notes Please go have a look and let me know what you think. So, now I want to spend a few moments building on not just what I've said, but also said in previous episodes about how to get mindful in those stressful moments and actually how to prepare ourselves for when those stressful moments hit. So, what can you do effectively to train? To get better at um, dealing with those more stressful moments when they hit. So, I'm not going to spend any time on quote unquote basics. I'll have a link in the episode notes to earlier episodes, um, which cover, you know, some of the more basics of meditation and mindfulness. It doesn't make sense for me to repeat them here. So, let me just give you what I would say are my top tips for when I'm in these more difficult
1: situations. What what I turn to and how I help myself get through it. So one of the first things I try and do is prime myself to not take immediate action when I'm in a difficult or challenging situation. I
0: mentioned in the past that because I'm a good problem solver and because I've got a good analytical mind,
1: The initial impulse can be, great, let's try and solve this. I think I've become very good at that now, and I very rarely start thinking about how to solve or fix or what I'm going to do next. And that's because what I'm really aware of is this is a time to give myself an opportunity to do nothing for a bit or to do very little. Now, you might think, hey, that's quite difficult. How do I achieve that? At least for me, the way I achieve that is
0: by reminding myself through just positive self-talk, really, over the years, that whatever action or decision that I'm going to
1: make right now is not likely to be the most optimal one. I. I'm effectively saying to myself, let go of the expectation right now that you have to do something to make this better. The time will come later to make this better. And at least for me, what then happens as a result of just letting go of the pressure of having to act is it creates space and room for a lot of other thoughts. Some good, some bad. Some quite random. And I do create a space then to allow all those thoughts in or out, depending on your perspective. I do this by the mindfulness principle of non-judgmental awareness. So I accept that these thoughts are there and I note what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, but I'm very aware to not then Put too much weight on those thoughts, and then go deeper
0: and think about thinking, and and just really,
1: very lightly note them with even a sense of curiosity where possible. Sense of curiosity might be difficult to picture. What I mean by that is
0: just sort of putting a label on a thought by saying, "Huh, yeah, I wonder why I think that.
1: Yeah, that is upsetting." I wonder why that's upsetting. Huh. And not analyzing it, but really just having a very light um, noting and dialogue with your thoughts and just allowing them to be there. Because the more you resist, the worse it will get.
0: The thoughts won't go away. They'll just manifest themselves in other ways. And, you won't be able to then get to the point of acceptance so what i find quite helpful is to just number 1 say to myself i can't fix this right now number 2 just allow all those other all the,
1: allow that other thought stream in but just note it and accept it for what it is and this process can go on for many minutes you know sometimes i can sit at my desk or if i'm you know in
0: a meeting or whatever, I I can take a few minutes to get over that initial hump. Next, what I like to do is then ease myself into some kind of breathing exercise or actual more focused mindful practice. Now, the most effective way to do that is to actually be able to take yourself physically out of whatever space you're in, be
1: it at work or at home, and practice practice this. Solo away from any distractions and so on, so let's let me
0: go through that ideal case before I tell you what I do when quite frequently, you know I'm not in that situation. but if you can find that space where you'll be undistracted even for a few minutes, and just shift that focus and awareness to your breath. What I find really helpful is just to even put my hand on my chest or on on my belly and just feel this the movement of my breath. You know, a lot of the times I'm not telling myself, oh my gosh, I'm so upset or stressed, whatever. I, I need, you know, 10 minutes to myself. I very
1: rarely have to do that in my life really ever. Quite often, all I really need
0: is just a few minutes here and there, sometimes just on very busy days, not because something bad has happened. Um, This actually happened to me yesterday because after a long work day working from home, I also then have to shift my attention to helping my son with his studies, which was fine, but then some other issues came up um, with work and with him. And so I thought, okay, it's about 6 o'clock now. I'm pretty mentally tired, but I do need to just finish off these other homework-type tasks with him. Let me just take a few minutes by myself. And it really helped. It just brought me back out of that sort of trouble spot, reset me, and I was really just able to tell myself at the end of it, okay, there's just half an hour to go, and then I can actually clock off for the day. So just somewhere we can sit comfortably and be relaxed, shift the focus onto the breath, and then, as always, don't try, allow the thoughts to come, allow feelings, emotions, whatever to come, But be as non-judgmental as you can. And if you're new to mindfulness practice, this will be difficult for you. That's okay as well. Don't judge that either. Don't judge yourself for not doing it right or not quite being able to focus for as long as I'm suggesting or as long as you've read or whatever your expectations
1: were. Don't worry about your expectations. Just tell yourself, I'm doing my best and I will get better over time and anything
0: else that comes during that time thoughts or sounds or whatever that's all good just
1: note them let them go and then go back to the breath now sometimes it's just not possible to isolate yourself
0: or you know if you're in a meeting room with colleagues or whatever the situation might be it's not possible it's also it's not productive because there's a reason why you're in that group environment it's because you're collectively working towards something You're an important part of that. And so if you are feeling the pain or the disappointment of a business partnership gone wrong or a bad bit of news, you know, whatever it is an investor has pulled out or there's an issue with
1: one of your employees that you're collectively as a management team trying to solve, what's important to remember is that you're part of the solution. What I like to do in those moments is
0: take some of those mindfulness practices and try and reflect those onto others as well as trying to help myself. So, for example, I can do my bit to not overreact, to not make the situation worse. Where I've talked about not trying to seek solutions, I can say that to myself and say, well, my my part right now is to not make the situation worse. If I think the mindful response right now is just to take a step back from it, that's what I choose to do for myself. And then share that viewpoint with others and invite
1: them to do the same if it makes sense, you know, in that context to do so. And explain the reasoning. I've found
0: that not just in this situation, that's quite an effective leadership technique, you know, to just
1: tell people what you're going through What choices you've made to deal with a particular situation,
0: why those choices are important, and why you think those choices are better in this
1: moment versus some other options that were available to you. And quite often that can actually lead to a discussion
0: about exactly how to deal with the situation and start moving away from the less uh, controversial, difficult. Unhelpful dialogue and discourse that can happen in those moments to
1: moving towards more mindfulness themes of acceptance and awareness and,
0: you know, being supportive towards each other in those difficult moments because that's why you're there as a group in the first place. And as part of that, you can also share what I've discussed earlier, which is, hey, I'm upset. It's all right to say that out loud but also show, try and show that, hey, I'm upset, but here is how I'm choosing to deal with or trying to deal with or trying to reason with it. And whether that method is effective or not, like I said, you're doing your bit. You can only do so much to convince others to try and
1: approach a situation mindfully. But at the very least, that then becomes, it becomes very clear to
0: people how you, what your approach is, and then that can become a discussion point for later. You can get, you can start a discussion with others later and get feedback and actually talk about hey, what did you think about what I said during that meeting about
1: how I was managing and how I was dealing with it? Was it helpful? Did it, did it resonate? If not, why not? What works for you? So, in effect, use what you've all just been
0: through as a point of reflection and learning for yourself and the team because in that innovative entrepreneurial environment, there will always be occasions where you're going to have to deal with those difficult times and you can not only learn from each other, but then collectively and as as a team and as an organization actually get better at it over time. All right. I think that covers it for today. I'm mindful of keeping these episodes, keeping these episodes relatively uh, short, and I hope that's been helpful to start exploring the connections between mindfulness and what our bodies go through, and how to improve on that, particularly during those difficult moments. As always, I'd love to hear what you think. Podcast at mindfulventuring.com is the email, or just click on the episode uh, on the link below in the episode notes. And looking ahead, some good guests coming up on the podcast in the next few episodes. So you won't just have to listen to me rambling on. So really looking forward to bringing that to you. And until next time, keep calm and venture on.